Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Listen, folks, there's a segment that we do here on Evening Words that's called The Other Dr. Peterson. And I explain it every time, even though people say I always repeat myself, but I like to explain it because the whole thing is, is that I'm the other Dr. Peterson, okay? There are Dr. Petersons in my family who are real doctors. So I want to introduce to you Dr. Peterson, who is a board-certified adult and child and adolescent psychiatrist, proud graduate of Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Peterson completed her psychiatry residency as well as her child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship with the University of Maryland Shepherd Pratt program. Dr. Peterson has served in a number of academic research and administrative roles in psychiatry at various institutions, including the University of South Carolina School of Medicine and the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. She's also served as the program planning chair for national, regional and local mental health symposia and conferences. Dr. Peterson has an abiding interest in advocacy, psychoeducation, elimination of healthcare disparities, eradication of mental health stigma and the promotion of mental health and wellness. Dr. Peterson, welcome to Evening Words. Good evening, Dr. Peterson. It is such an honor and a pleasure to be on uh, Evening Work. Y'all see my beautiful sister here, all, all my Facebook fans. Y'all see my beautiful sister here. Uh, yes, yes, Doc. So, so I think, first of all, you're like, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty busy person. You're the busiest person I know. You work, you work really hard, like a lot of folks in our family do. Um, but I, I wanted you to come on today and talk a little bit about, about your work. And obviously we're not, this is not a therapy session, folks. We're just discussing some issues here. But to talk to you about your work and about about grief and mourning in, in the African-American community. And 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 I know this is probably not the easiest time for you and I to have this conversation because we're going through some things in our family right now. But but it's what's been happening since I've been on air is that there have been, you know, we've lost people and not just in our family, but in the in the black community. And. You know, there are shootings and, you know, we just reported on a local story of an 83 year old woman who was who was murdered by her next door neighbor. And I kind of want to do two things if we can in this in this segment is one. Can you can you just talk a little bit about the 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 cycle of grief and the processes associated with grief from from your perspective as as a psychiatrist? Sure. So um, I think sometimes we use the, the terms grief and bereavement and mourning interchangeably, but there are some nuances to them. So bereavement is the actual state of loss, like the, 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 the death of someone. Grief is the process of how we um, experience the loss. Mm-hmm. So for many people, it's, it's, it's profound sorrow. And then mourning is the public or social expression of our grief. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like those distinctions. I don't know if I'm going to remember them, we but have I have such I, a rich heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and so the way that we as a people express our our grief is varied and rightly so. Mm-hmm. But we have some, you know, something as unique as, you know, the the I'll say the celebratory parades that might be seen in the South mm-hmm. uh, when the, the casket is carried through the community to the burial or resting place. Um, 
to now there are more expressive ceremonies uh, throughout the country where there's a, a more intentional incorporation of the celebration of life. So there might actually be dancing um, or or uh, more fanfare during the process of, of laying someone to rest, mm-hmm. celebrating their life, um, even while there's the acknowledgement of the loss. So grief is a very individual process and mourning is not as formalized as it used to be. You know, mourning used to be very solemn. People should only wear black. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there should be a certain amount of time um, that is taken where uh, people should refrain from social interactions and and there are certain things that should be done um, in order to express uh, one's grief. But I don't know that it's such a formalized process anymore. And certainly in terms of the field of psychiatry, uh, there are. Uh, the five stages of grief that Dr. Kula Ross spoke about, mm-hmm. right? So um, denial, uh, anger, bargaining, acceptance. Uh, even she acknowledged that that was sort of just a guideline for people to understand the phases through which one might go when they're experiencing their grief, but that it's not in any way formulaic. One is not necessarily going to experience all of those stages. It's just a better way for us to try to grasp the, the challenge that each of us uh, most likely in our lives will have to experience because of because part of living is loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How 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 do you define that the the bargaining phase of of that process? How how is that defined? Uh, so it it really just is an indication or or, or an expression of our desperation. So uh, for example. If, if I, if, from a child's perspective, if they lose someone they love, like a pet or a parent, you know, dear God, I promise to be a good girl. If I'm a good girl, will you please bring back my bunny or my parent? Like some, we have this sort of, uh, uh fierce hope that we are in some way, uh, our, our behaviors and, and, and our intentions can somehow be linked to the existence of someone else. So it's literally trying to offer something to the universe or to uh, a higher power, uh, in the hopes that that will reverse the loss. That that sounds so sad to me. <laughs> that sounds really really sad. But I appreciate that that piece. It I, you, some of the things that you are talking about here are in ways of mourning or ways of of going through the grieving processes that I think are particular to the African American experience. Like if you're talking about, um, uh, you know the the, the marches uh, in, in New Orleans. Or you're talking about praise dances at home going services. Is it, is it, is it, is it correct to say that black folks grieve differently? Or is that, is that, am I being ignorant here? Mm. So, no, you're, you're not an ignorant individual. I do <laughs> think that, that there is a, a subcultural context to how African American people express their grief. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What aside? What, what do you see in the world around that? Because I think that I think one we don't talk enough about this. Not even just from the perspective of psychiatry, just in general. Like we, I don't know if we talk enough about mourning and about grief. And obviously, I'm in a place where it's at the forefront of my my mind. But I just feel like as a community, um, we don't talk enough about it to understand these processes and to have an established kind of discourse around which we can think together as a community about grief, about mourning, about loss. And so what are some of those, what are some of the the cultural contexts that you 
have seen over the course of your work, uh, you know, aside from the ones you've already talked about that are important for us to think about um, in these moments of, 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 of grief and of mourning? Right. So there, the, again, want to really respect the difference between grief and mourning mm-hmm. um, because mourning is the, is the public or the social expression of grief, right? So different cultures have different ways of expressing their grief. Some cultures will do things like um, have an expectation of, of of spouses to end their lives if their spouse, you know, passed away, or or have expectations uh, of you know having no social interactions for a certain period of time, or you know the mourning process involves laying the body to rest within a certain period of time. So there's some things that are really structured about grief depending on the culture or the religion. Um, Whereas again, grief is really an, an individual expression. So for some people, you know, their grieving may come across as, as instead of crying, they might scream, mm-hmm. um, or they might become incredibly active. And, uh, whereas other people may found that they're bedridden because they're, they're just that, um, heavy, heavily burdened by the, the sorrow they experience. So it really is an, an individual expression. And, you know, when I, when I, had the opportunity to think about how we as a, a community might mourn, it it really occurred to me that we're almost in a constant state of mourning, mm. right? We're we're black in America mm. and there's not a day that will go by mm. where mm. the most of us will not be aware of the fact that we're black. And 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 that's not necessarily um from the perspective of black is beautiful. It's from the perspective of if you are an Afro-American then you're more likely to um, be exposed to uh, violence and, and, and discrimination and um, have greater challenges uh, in life in many ways. And, and you know, the African-Americans in many ways are exposed to what I'll say are degrees of trauma. And, and because it's a constant part of our existence, mm-hmm. um, we are somewhat, um, I don't want to say sterilized, but we're, we're sort of somewhat conditioned to be in a certain, at a certain level of mourning mm-hmm. constantly. So mm-hmm. much so that when you hear that, you know, uh, a beautiful life was lost, you know, the, the, the woman that you mentioned with the age, I think, of 83, yes. taken inex- inexcusably without reason. Um, where we're a caller can talk about how they think that that's a consequence of the fact that we don't have appropriate uh, policing or there's not an appropriate value of black lives that creates a, a, a constant sort of uh, conscious or subconscious awareness mm-hmm. of devaluing. And, and that can, to me, be connected to a certain state of mourning. So when I was thinking about mourning, I don't know that we don't have a certain level of mourning um, that, allows us to be conditioned to uh, certain um, certain things that I think other communities may not have to experience the way that we do. Mm, mm. First of all, thank you so much for listening to my program as you listen a lot and hear the callers. Uh, I, I, I do want to ask you about another caller because uh, we had a caller, I think, yesterday who talked about feeling a sense of numbness around in response to hearing about shootings, mass shootings or stabbings or killings or murder, you know, from from your perspective, how do we how do we try to remain sensitized to the terrible things that happen, the loss and all of that um, uh, without 
becoming numb, but also without it overrunning our lives or over determining our full mentalities. Is there are there any strategies for identifying some balance between being aware of and seeing the things that unfold that are unfortunate and sometimes awful and not becoming numb to them because we're paying attention? So I think you actually part of, it, of of what we need to do is what you're saying is we have to pay attention. Like we have to be aware of what it is that we're experiencing. We need to be able to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And then we have to make sure that we're not feeling like we're responsible for all of it. Right. So one of the things that I really respect and appreciate about your show is that you are finding people who are seeing what the problems are and they're they're focusing on doing their part. Mm-hmm. And if everybody focuses on doing their part and everybody works to do their part, then we will make progress and things will get better and things are getting better and we are making progress. But it's still important to recognize what the problems are. There's a significant problem in our community where we don't have the same expectation, not just of quality of life, mm-hmm. but of life. Too many young people don't see themselves living past a certain age or think that it that th- their expectation of possibly dying from violence mm-hmm. is becoming more commonplace than it should. And mm. there's not enough uh, social recognition or outrage of that fact. And if someone is conditioned to thinking that, you know, they might lose their lives at an early age, how are they supposed to value life enough to be able to make the choices that matter when they're in tense situations? So again, this really is related to mourning because I do believe, again, that we're in a certain sort of mind frame where we are not only desensitized to violence, but maybe we're a little bit desensitized to the fact that we do have a certain ongoing level of of mourning or more importantly, grief in our community. And and because we don't talk about uh, some of the things that affect us so personally, we don't necessarily have a communal approach to, to trying to manage how we can process it in a healthy way. So, so let's talk about that at least a little bit, um, because, you know, part of you're right. Part of what I want to do here when I'm while I'm sitting in the seat is to try to identify some pathways, some solutions. I think that we are we are very good as a community about airing our grievances. I think we're like experts at it, but we are not very good about getting active and figuring out ways to identify solutions and to put them into practice. We are not very good at, at, at operationalizing our compassion for sometimes even people in our own community. And so, you know, while we're, we're thinking a little bit about about grief and about mourning and the distinction between those two. From your perspective, what are some of the goals for us uh, in terms of like young people understanding their value in life or uh, our elderly folks feeling more respected and loved in, in, in the world? Like, you know, give us your utopian vision for some of the things that might help us make progress with our collective mental health in the black community. We've got to admit that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. And crying doesn't mean you're weak. Mm. And talking about how you you feel doesn't make you soft. It doesn't necessarily make you strong. Um, you know, there, there are constructive ways for us to be able to process. And I think that we've been conditioned to think that um, certain things are a luxury, mm. like relaxing, mm-hmm. like taking a break when you need to, like acknowledging that you're not a superwoman or a superman 
like acknowledging that you can hurt and, and take care of that hurt, acknowledging that sometimes how you feel can literally uh, incapacitate you to the point where you can't get out of the bed mm-hmm. and that it's not a choice. It's not a reflection of a lack of faith. It's not a reflection of a lack of strength. It simply is a, a combination of circumstances and a biochemical reaction. So I think, you know, I'm not sure that we do as good a job as a community as we could of giving ourselves grace. Um, and, and we need to show by example that we can, that there is strength in our weakness, that there is strength in vulnerability, um, that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm going to get you out of here on this one because I feel like I'm about to get myself into a little bit of trouble. But let's just say that someone in our listening audience has a relative, uh, maybe a parent, maybe a mother who is going through some grief right now. But it's difficult to understand how to approach them, how to talk to them. Um, how to, you know, show them, you know, the, the love that you have, particularly in this moment, because maybe you can understand and see some things that they can't even see. Is there, is there, are there ways for us? I mean, I'm sure it's different for every family, different for every individual, but I'm asking like a personal question more than professional here. You know, how do, how do you, how do you wrap your arms around that person figuratively or literally in a way that, 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 that helps them keep going? So yes, you're going to get yourself in trouble and <laughs> you already did it, right? You do you showed up. Mm. So, so, mm. so being present, showing up, it's not necessarily what you say. It's, it's what you do sometimes, right? Be, and like I said, grief is really an individual processing of deep sorrow. Mm. And so the way that someone chooses to express that is their choice. And it's important for us to, to give people grace. Um, when they are grieving, it's important for us to respect how they're going to process their grief, whether it's through anger or sadness or avoidance. Um, it's really important for us to encourage people who are grieving to invest in their wellness, right? Because sometimes they become so involved with uh, either dealing with their sorrow or avoiding their sorrow that they don't take care of themselves and the responsibilities as much as they should. Mm. It's important to encourage them to express how they feel and in respect when it is that they don't want to express it in a way that we can perceive it. And then it's important to give people um, the opportunity to, to focus forward, right? Mm. To, to not be stuck in the loss, but to, to remember what is good and to, 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 embrace the reality, a new reality that exists after the loss of someone that was so loved because the sun will never shine as brighter. You know, breathing air might feel differently when people Mm. have such profound losses. So it's just important to respect the process. And like I said, you did, you did your part and will continue to do your part just by showing up. You know, there's certain cultures where they have sitting periods. Mm -hmm. So when someone um, uh, passes away, they they have times where people come to the the family who's lost the the member and they just sit with them. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, Dr. Peterson, and, and that's oh. in fact what you did, and that I think uh, offered more comfort than any words you could share. Thank you for that, sis. I love you for that. Listen, we, we got to let you go because I'm sure you have patience waiting and, and and work to do. But I hope you will come back for the other Dr. Peterson segment. Maybe talk about some things not as not as serious and as grave as as mourning and grief in the black community but i love you and thank you so much for for sharing your knowledge uh with 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 our listening audience 
I love you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 